I believe we are all hardwired to be creative. And the thing that makes us uniquely human is our creativity. Welcome to The Spark with Coco the Inspirationist. Join me for conversations with inspiring humans tapped into their creativity and solo chats as I get to know my own. Whether you're looking to spark inspiration, reconnect with your inner creative, or you're just starting to get to know your creative self, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Spark. Hello, my friend. Welcome to The Spark with me, Coco the Inspirationist. I am so glad you are here. I mean, this episode, episode number 24, is, it's a big one for me, you guys. It is truly a moment on my journey that feels very significant. You see, Andy J. Pizza is a professional illustrator, children's book author. He's a podcast host, and that podcast changed my life. You'll hear me talk about it, but when I was in the deep dark of my dad having liver disease and having two little kids, it was it was really hard. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to turn towards my creativity to let some of this stress out. I was trying to work out, and that was helping in its own way, and I was trying to just be as gentle as possible, but I just felt this calling to really tap into my creativity. And it was when I had first started listening to podcasts, and I googled podcasts for creativity, and his came up, the creative pep talk. It is so good. He is incredible. He's wildly entertaining, and it changed the trajectory of my life. He gave me so much permission to look inward and to really find my taste. And in this conversation with him was just this most beautiful unraveling of all these amazing concepts. So in this episode, we talk about ideas and right brain versus left brain thinking, ADHD, neurodiversity, and compassion, and the lessons we learn from others and also connection and creativity. We, we revisit that idea over and over again. And it is just such, such a delight to, to have had this moment with Andy. We met briefly in California at, at a gathering. It was a bit more significant to me than it was to him. But ever since then, he's been in my orbit. And I've just gained so much inspiration from watching him rise and... I'm so thrilled to to share this with you. You can hear my joy. You can hear his his enthusiasm. And I just hope that all these metaphors and lessons and stories really help you on your creative journey. So without further ado, here's Andy J. Pizza. two things. I need to make sure he understands how important this is to me without fangirling. So I'm just going to get that out of the way. Um, but, uh, I just really appreciate your time. Um, to me, you're like, a, you seem like a very busy guy. So it's, it means a lot to me for you to say yes. And, uh, I want you to know, okay, so just to connect some dots, I'm sure you understand this, but, um, 
I used to be Dutch Door Design Co. Do you know this? I know I didn't know that. No. Okay, I wasn't sure. I switched my handle a little while ago, and my name is Courtney. And I okay. used to be Dutch Door Design Co. And now I met. I actually met you at Dreamtopia at Kathy Heller's okay. thing yeah. a couple of years yep. ago, and. Yeah. I, it might not resonate as much for that moment because my friend Emma was there. My friend Emma Isaacs was standing next to me and you guys like <laughs> thoroughly vibed over being ADHD people. Yeah. yeah, I remember this. And I was just like, okay, cool. You guys have your moment. That's cool. It's oh, it's fine. He's He only was like the biggest part of the beginning of this journey for me, but that's cool. You guys do your thing. <laughs> yeah, she was in, you know, full on ADHD mode and I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I feel like the universe uh, appreciated my patience because here we are. So anyways, I'm really excited because so much, so many things are coming through right now. Back when I first started this journey of really like actively taking my creative career seriously, um, my dad was really sick with liver disease and I felt really maxed out. I had two little kids and it was just a really scary time, of course. And I felt like the only thing I could do is uh, to like release my stress and tension is to turn towards my creativity. And I had just found like within the last few years of that, I found podcasting and loved it, like really fell into the storytelling side of it, like the moth and all that kind of stuff. And when I was, I can remember when I was really looking to turn towards my creativity, I Googled a podcast for creativity and yours came up. And ever since that moment, it's like, I just like gobbled up your content and it, that felt like the, you know, the, it changed the trajectory, you know, you've given me so much permission. And now to have you here right here in this moment is really special to me because getting to this place of starting and putting myself out there. And I'm so proud of myself for pushing through the fear and the self-doubt and all that kind of stuff. And I was wondering, can you take us back and kind of give us a little story of how, how you got where you're at and a little bit yeah, about you? That, that's great. I can, you know, I don't know which version you want, the long, the short, the medium. Uh, the, the short version is, I don't know how to do short versions. <laughs> I know, it's, that's fine. I was like, he's not going to do the short version, so whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so... Uh, right now, I'm Andy J. Pizza. I have uh, a podcast called Creative Pep Talk, and I I make kids books, and I do work for clients um, uh, as an illustrator, and I also do a lot of public speaking when that was allowed. Um, I did a lot of that. I still do it, virtual talks to creative teams and schools and all kinds of companies, all kinds of stuff. Um, so that's what I do now. Uh, but obviously it wasn't always like that. I started, um, you know, I, I've always been, I, I have ADHD. I'm very right brained. I'm very big picture. I miss details. I'm kind of, um, you know, I don't think many people actually know what ADHD really has anything to do with. I feel like as a culture, we have all these, you know, stereotypes that are very wildly inaccurate and kind of miss the point. But, um, you know, when I say, I'm, uh, you know, I call it a chaos Muppet. Um, you know, think Gonzo, uh, think Ernie, think Wembley from Fraggle Rocks. That that's Fraggle Rock. That's who I am. And I, you know, I think people that look at me now and see all the stuff that I do, 
they probably think you don't look too chaotic, buddy. You look like you're doing just fine. Look like you're uh, accomplishing a bunch of goals and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But that, you know, that is the product of, um, it's not, some of it is the product of like learning habits and discipline and stuff. Some of it is that, that is true, but it's probably ultimately more than anything, uh, discovering my strengths and discovering, uh, who I am as a person and then uh, playing into that and understanding what, what kind of, you know, if you're a person with ADHD, you know, I watch my mom, I'm all over the place. So you're just, <laughs> just writing me in. But, uh, but uh, you know, my mom, um, I think my mom has undiagnosed ADHD and I watched her as a kid just kind of try to be normal, just try to not be ADHD. And like everybody in my life, you know, uh, we didn't have any of the language for any of that. And honestly, I feel like growing up in the Midwest, there's kind of an idea from, from most people that like, we're all basically the same, like we're the same. And if you don't show up in the normal way, it's because you're just a loser or you're lazy or you're an idiot or you're, you know, you're bad. That's a long story short. You're bad. And I think everybody kind of communicated to me that my mom was just bad. Like if she could just keep a job, if she right, could just, it takes. Yeah. yeah, just just stay with one set of kids, just keep one husband. If she could just, you know, whatever these, you know, all this stuff, but really what's going on underneath all that. Sure. I'm sure there's character stuff, but ultimately you kind of think, is it chicken or an egg kind of thing? Like was the character stuff a protection like, was that just a, her trying to survive in a world that didn't understand her? I'll never know. We won't know. But I could see from her early age that I could watch, you know, one thing about ADHD is like the easiest way to understand it is sustainably doing what you don't want to do is pretty much impossible. You're just, you're not going to, you're not going to just grind through your whole life doing what you don't want to do, which is not going to happen unless you're heavily medicated, which, you know, some people, uh, I think that's an option for them that makes total sense. Um, and in certain circumstances, I don't, I think it might be the only, only way through for some people in that kind of, uh, circumstance, but I watched my mom and I just thought, man, ultimately she does what she wants to do. She tries to do this. She does it for a little bit and then she gives up and does what she wants to do. And I think I just, from an early age, probably when I was like 18, at least I thought I'm going to take a bet on what I want to do. I'm going to take a bet on making everything I, as much as the things that I have to do, what I want to do. And, you know, um, that kind of, that, because what you find out is that ADHD is not a deficit of attention. It's actually, they have too much attention, if anything, and they don't have an ability to filter it. They're not in control of their attention. I don't get to decide, okay, it's tax day, time to focus on taxes. Tax day is like uh, Armageddon in my family, by the way, just so you know, everybody knows like, oh man, April's coming up, Andy, look out. And I've gotten, you know, I've, I've worked really hard to figure out how to make that bearable. And I've gotten way better it, tax day this year was the easiest it's ever been because I have a bunch of people around me that help me and all kinds of stuff. And we've simplified systems and, but all of that stuff is self-knowledge, self-knowledge of what do I need what and what do I, what can I give? What, who am I? And, and knowing I actually have an abundance of attention for anything I like. 
Right. For the things I like, I hyper-focus like nobody's business. So when you look at me, when someone looks at me and they're like, you don't look like you're chaotic. You're like, no, I'm just doing all the things I hyper-focus on. That's why I can do a podcast every week for six and a half years because I like to podcast. Right. Um, and, and so anyway, that that's the medium version, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned from you and your podcast and just kind of like being a fan of yours is, well, there's a couple of things, but you're excellent at seeking out knowledge, like learning how to be better in like all the different ways. And you're always passing that forward to us as, as your listeners. And I really appreciate that. And I've really grown so much in all the resources that you've pushed forward and being an artist, like a big A artist and building a business around it is so much more than just that like sliver of the stuff that you're so passionate about. And um, that's challenging, but as long as you build it around something that you're really passionate about, you know, you can make the rest of it work. Yep. When you connect it to your passion, then uh, it's just like, um, it goes from, Hey, learn these three chords. Why? I don't know. Just because you have to like, okay, that's you in music class. You're like, this is the worst. But if you say, Hey, you want to play that song that you love? Mm -hmm. Yes. Learn these three chords. And all of a sudden it all makes sense. It all has meaning. If I'm doing taxes for somebody, if I was like an accountant doing taxes for somebody else's passion, that would be impossible. That would, I would literally choose jail over it. I would. Right. That's, that's how easy it is for me. So yeah, there are all these other pieces that if, if it's connected to a bigger meaning, a bigger pursuit and a bigger passion, then I can, I can temporarily get through a lot of things. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed your sharing about ADHD. There's been some people that are in my life that have been diagnosed as adults. And yeah. even my husband was put on the spectrum a bit and yeah. It's just, I don't know. I feel so grateful we're in this time where we are acknowledging all these different ways that people work. Like it's not, to me, it's not necessarily like this deficit or this deficit or this deficit. It's just like the way your brain works versus the way my brain works. And how do we maximize and support one another? And yeah. And when you're talking about your mom, you've learned a lot from just kind of like watching her do how life, the way she, she did taught it. me everything I know, just do the opposite. That's yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that resonates with me deeply because last summer, my mom had a super challenging mental health crisis for like a very long extended period of time. We hadn't ever experienced that. And, yeah. and now all of a sudden, like everything's re refiltered, like my whole life like now I'm like, oh, she clearly has like major anxiety mm -hmm. and now it's like come to a head. And now I see like, I, I've, I see all of my whole childhood in this new filter of like control versus, you know, and, and it's just that same thing. It's like, I'm learning so much by just having compassion for the way she worked and the way she was just trying so hard to, 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 to do it the way she thought was right, you know? Yeah. Um, same thing. When I, whenever I got diagnosed with ADHD and I realized like, oh, this is hereditary. But, uh, so it comes from somewhere. And I was like, oh my gosh. 
and I saw it in my mom, it reframed everything, you know, it went from, and then I learned new things as I explored that, which was, you know, I was always told like, she didn't keep a job cause she's a lazy bum. That's why she can't do anything. She can't, and, you know, she didn't have any willpower, whatever. And I find out that, you know, she quit on the spot of the waitress job, not because she was lazy, but because she couldn't make change on the fly in the chaos of it. And she was ashamed. She walked out. I felt that exact thing. Um, and so, yeah, I totally understand of how those kind of discoveries reframe your entire existence. Yeah. And then I'm learning so much of how to take my life as we move forward and what things to build into my world to support me to yeah. not be that way, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't, it's, it's a weird place. I'm sure you discovered this when you first started sharing about it. Um, it's not, I don't think she listens, but you right. know, it's still like, it's my truth, but it's also her truth. It's, it, I'm finding yeah. it hard to kind of figure yeah, out is. that line. It's difficult. I mean, for me personally, uh, I, you know, my mom, uh, she's still alive. She, she doesn't have the internet though. And so that's part of it. <laughs> it works out. But also, you know, I told her at some point, I, t I told her, you know, first of all, if you go to any memoirist, they're going to tell you like, you own your story. And like, there's a good quote. I don't remember. I don't know if it's Mary Carr. Or I don't know who it is, but she, she, they were like, uh, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted me to write better about you, you should have treated me differently. That's the problem. The problem isn't my life. The problem is your choices. Right. And I think, so there's part of me that feels that way. That's, you know, maybe that lacks a little bit of compassion, but part, the other part of it is, you know, I also told my mom, I was like, I, and I don't talk to her very much, but at some point I was like, um, you know, I do kind of talk about you on the podcast and she didn't know what a podcast is, but I tell her that and I, you know, I do talk about you on stage sometimes and, and she, and, and, uh, and she knew what that meant because mm -hmm. she knows the story and she, right. she, her response to that was, Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, and I, I love my mom and I, you know, I wish that the story wasn't the way that it was, but I also, it's a, it's a, it's a huge part of my life and my story. And if I want to, if I want to tell my story, that's part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I had Kyle Sheely on the pod. Congratulations uh -huh. on the book, by the way, uh, a pizza with everything on it. It made a big impact on my family. And awesome. um, I've got <laughs> two good. little boys that it, it you know, it's really cool. I find it really interesting. Um, you're kind of a celebrity around this, this house and, um, you know, your name is so charming and your work is so kid friendly. And then with the book, it just kind of like blew their minds open that I know you, you know, and, um, and actually Felix wanted to say hi, he's five. He wanted to say hi and had like all this stuff he wanted to say. He was so cute. He was like, I'm going to tell him that I think he's a great illustrator. Oh, like, that's so nice. I, that means, you know, I, he's the real audience. So I, right. I really appreciate it. But now he's like, I can kind of hear him in the background. He's singing because he just lost his first tooth like 20 minutes ago. And he's oh. just like in euphoria of like, I can't, I'm like, Felix, do you want to talk to Andy? I'm jumping on. And he's just like, no, thank you. He's like, I'm in the middle of a life moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um, I think it's a really cool place to be in this world. Like growing up, um, I'm completely self-taught and I took art classes like watercolor. I had an, an aunt that was a professional watercolorist and like prolific. She had one style and just went and did it. And cool. 
I got that programming though, that like, you're supposed to pick one thing and just like do that forever. And, um, when I wasn't able to do that, I felt this like brokenness that I was like, well, I guess, you know, I'm just not able to be a professional artist. And it didn't even occur to me that I wanted to be a professional artist. I didn't take a single class in college, uh, a single art class in college. And I'm starting to realize that it's probably because I dated this guy through high school and college that was like this amazing like drawing person, like illustrator. And now he like makes video games in California and he's incredible. But I think that he, it was like, oh, Courtney's the crafter, Mike's the artist, you know? So like he took all the art classes and now I'm self-taught and I get stuck. So like, I got a lot of programming about like, don't, you know, we, we lived on a budget. And so like, even my materials, like there was a sense of like, this stuff's expensive and these art classes that you're taking are expensive. And I am, have this, a very natural, like perfectionist way about me. And I'll tell you that your work, I keep going back to it and I send people to it. And I, 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 there's something about your work that has helped me like unlock my perfectionism because I look at your stuff and it's, it's not perfect, but it's perfectly yours. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I want to approach my work. And I'm a lettering artist. Like that's like really what I love to do is letter letters, which kind of like lends to being perfection. My perfectionist tendencies comes out really bad in that way. But I've always been like, just go look at Andy's stuff, like his strokes, like all of that. It's that is deliciously yours. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate, I don't know. I just wanted to, to put a pin on that, to know that, like, I really love your work because it serves me in becoming a better artist myself. So thank you for that. That's amazing. And, you know, kind of reminds me of uh, someone who did that for me, uh, which is, do you know, Aaron Draplin? He's been Mm -hmm. on the show. I feel like one of the things that's so powerful about him and why he has such a crazy fan base is because he really makes uh, it accessible. I think it's easy to learn from somebody who you can see yourself in. And I think he's somebody who, you know, you're watching all the things he makes and you don't think, you are, it's, when I look at his portfolio, I think this is actual like brilliance, Mm -hmm. but it's very human. And it's not something that it's like, I couldn't do that. Just, I wouldn't because that's him. So I just define my own version of that. Um, And so, yeah, I totally, totally know what you're saying. There's something about, but also, you know, for me personally, it's kind of like, I can draw technically better than I do in my work. I can do that. In fact, the reason I started painting uh, a big part of it was my drawing, my digital drawings, my things that were purely digital were getting a little bit too uh, anatomically correct for me <laughs> because I was just getting better at drawing and I was liking it less because that's not my taste. Yeah. And I always think it's dangerous when you're not uh, making to your own taste because I think that gets dangerous into... Now you're trying to be impressive, which is not really what creative stuff is actually about, or you're pandering. Yeah. Neither of those are really going to be where the good stuff is. And so that was part of the reason I started painting was I was like, I just need to, it's kind of like someone who, you know, if you're, I was never a master, I'm not some crazy, um, 
I'm pretty good at drawing, but I'm not, I can, and I've captured people's likenesses once or twice, like, you know, <laughs> you know realistic drawings, but it's not really my, it's not really, I'm not some amazing um, uh, drafts person in that way, but uh, it's kind of like if you got really good at guitar and you got kind of, now you're like getting lost in the technical and you're losing some of the human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're like, I'm going to switch to piano, even though I don't really know how to play it. Now I've only got a few tricks up my sleeve. What can I do that sounds good? And when it's good, that's you tapping into your taste. Yeah. And so when I would go to paint something, I'd be like, okay, I know I am very limited in my painting skills. What could I make that would be good? And then that, yeah, get back into your taste. So well, that's I don't know. anyway, taste, yeah. the word taste for me, you really, um, dropped that into like my creative vocabulary early on you had been speaking about ira glass you know that video i forget who's the one that made the video but it's the quote from ira glass about like closing the gap Mm -hmm. yeah yep that blew my mind yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um and uh that actually like I ended up making a lettering piece about it. And in the very beginning of when I discovered hand lettering, I didn't even realize it was a, a thing and then I found it on the internet and I was like, "Whoa, this is a thing." And yeah. then I was like, "Oh, I have like a natural tendency for this. Like I'm pretty good at it already and I haven't really put much time into it." But taste is really is really important and I love how you speak about it. Um, actually when you talk about painting, um, I've noticed that when I give myself like briefs, uh, and constraints to try and push myself into like a a new place, it's, it's so helpful. Like right now I'm working on, I picked up like in my, my brand colors, actually like I'm wearing them. My brand colors (laughs) are my, I I selected them because they are my favorite colors. And I figured Mm -hmm. like, let's let that be easy. Right. Oh, it's your own taste. Yeah, exactly. And so on my birthday, I got some birthday money from from my husband's aunt who doesn't need to be sending me birthday money, but she was like, go buy art supplies. And I was like, yes, I will go do that. And I went and I got, is this stuff called gauche? Gouache. What is it? Gouache. Gouache. Wow. I've been saying that wrong. Um, I mean, I, that's the way I say it. I don't know if it's the way. Oh, okay, good. Well, I've been challenging myself and I've had this, um, the Pantone postcards. I'm like looking in the background. Do you have any, you know what I'm talking about? They're not there. They're in my drawer, but yeah, I do. Yeah. So I've been challenging myself to just paint a postcard with these five colors and, and actually like no plan, no sketching, nothing, just like put them, put the paints on in the, in the thing and go and only give myself 30 minutes. And that's good. Those little practices are, are what's helping me like break out of my perfectionism because I can feel it holding me back. And I'm just trying like all these little ways to try and burst myself open. And I, I really believe that like everybody has a creative self and that's become my, this passion of mine that I want to help everybody, not just professional creatives, like everybody has a creative self. And I think that when we tend to our creative selves, just like when we tend to our physical body, like we need to tend to our physical body, our mental health. And then also, I think that there's this like magical creative self. And if we pour into that side of us, then it's kind of like the soil, like the compost and anything else like more grows from it. And the more I'm leaning into my creative self and allowing myself to be and claiming to be a multi-passionate, that was another thing that I like unlocked this year Mm. versus my aunt 
you know, kind of programming that you got to pick one thing. Mm-hmm. I just, and now I'm just like, I'm a multi-passionate. I do all the things and I just, just pour into my creative self. What are some ways that you tend to your creative self? Like that, that are outside your work work. Yeah. That's, that's such a good question. It's actually funny because it's, it's kind of the topic that's on my mind right now. Um, because I'm reading this book called, uh, uh, whole brain living. You ever heard of this? Jill Bolte Taylor. You ever mm-hmm. heard of this person? She, you probably heard of her story because sh- her, um, she had the first viral Ted talk and it was, uh, she had a, it's called the stroke of insight. She had a stroke. She lost like the functioning of her whole left brain, which is, you know, uh, popular culture gets it a little bit wrong, the left and right brain, but the left brain is really like detail oriented. It's also where you're like fear center. It's where your ego is. So when she lost all that, she was like all right brained and she got, that's big picture. That's, she became one with the universe. She lost sense of how big her body was and just all kinds, it was, you know, crazy euphoric, um, adventure, all this stuff. That's right brain stuff. And, uh, and you know, I feel like, uh, whenever I talk to general public, which are, you know, mostly left brain people, left brain dominant people, and even if they're not left brain dominant, America is a left brain dominant country for a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, just STEM is a good example. You know, the the whole just the focus on math and numbers and and that kind of stuff. That's all right. left brain detail stuff. And so when I talk to a general audience, like if I, you know, I've been exploring like putting a book out about um, not about ADHD, but kind of my experience of like trying to uh, embrace the weird part of me. Um, uh, whenever I talk to that audience, I'm trying to say like what Joe Bolte Taylor is trying to say, which is get in touch with your right brain, get in touch with your creativity, get in touch with the big picture, get in touch with the universe, get, you know, the weird stuff. Go I'm to here the- for it. Yeah, me too. And the invisible things project. That's another example of that's really make the invisible things is um, it's if anybody that doesn't know who's listening to this visible things is a cast of characters that I created they all personify different invisible things. So there's a hope character, there's a dark matter character. It's all, you know, it's science stuff, it's other sensory stuff, smells, all these kind of things. And then also there's like heart stuff and emotions and stuff like that. So anyway, that whole thing, the whole, I think that the heart behind that is, you know, they did studies in like uh, right brain people, creative big picture people that lean that way. Or, or in touch with that side or dominant on that side, those people see the value of the left brain. They're like, yeah, I get it. We need the numbers. We need somebody crunching those numbers. I get it. That's fine. But the left brain dominant people don't usually see the value in the right brain. Yeah. And invisible things is me speaking to a general audience, which is saying, you want to live life to the full, you know, only 5% of life is visible. All the all the stuff that you're like counting the beans, that's just like a tiny bit of experience on this life. So let's get into the invisible stuff. Okay. So that's what if I'm talking to the, 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 you know, regular people, that's what I'm saying. When I'm talking to, uh, I'm going to get back to your question, by the way, I got it. I got it right in my back pocket. I'm going to circle it all the way I was back. just wondering that actually. I was like, how am I going to? Yeah, I heard it. I was ESP. I was like, okay, I see you. No, I'm getting it back. But this is where, okay, this is where I'm getting back. So when I'm talking to creative people, I'm usually telling them the opposite. I'm usually saying, you don't have to be afraid of numbers. 
You don't have to be afraid of business. You don't have to be afraid of linear thinking and logic and strategy. Like that's whole brain living. You need the other side. It's good. There's good stuff over there. Let's connect it. But the problem is, and why I'm saying all this, which I could have clarified a little bit at the start, but it wouldn't have been as interesting to go on this wild adventure, um, is because, you know, building a creative career over the past, over, you know, over a decade, I have been, I have really worked those neuropathways to the left brain. And there's a big part of me that forgets how to play because of that. And I kind of, you know, I, the, Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about her left brain to right brain hero's journey and then coming back and, and getting her left brain back online. And I feel like I'm just at the start of a new hero's journey where I have made, I have lived in, I'm, I've become a little bit addicted to the numbers. I've been a little bit addicted to the goals. And I'm like, how do I, I need to go back to the weirdness. And one way, this is a, not a huge, crazy way of doing it, but one way that I've been doing it, I just decided this week that my TikTok is going to be for fun. And it's not, and literally for fun, not like I spent all day trying to make this thing amazing and then pretended like I'm just having fun. No, yeah. actual fun. Mostly dancing is probably what it's going to be. Cause I like, I, it's, I don't, anytime anybody says like, I like to dance, I think, okay, how cool are you? Okay. (laughs) I do though. I like to dance only just totally ridiculous, having fun. See, mainly I like to, my play is almost always like, can I talk and and can I say something that I didn't know I was going to say? That's fun. That's a surprise. That's how I like to dance. It's like, can I make a move where I was like, what the heck was that? So if I don't suggest you follow me on TikTok, I don't suggest anybody does, but that's what I'm going to be doing over there just to just what you said, you know, water and, and nurture the right brain. So. Yeah. Dancing has been such a fun part of my life. We have a really big mirror in my living space. And recently um, my husband got us a record player and we've been, it's been so cool because um, just kind of like detaching from technology. And also we have a seven and five-year-old boys and we've been, you know, just whatever they're into, like whatever music they're into, like, let's get that album. Like we have panic at the disco for them. We have Imagine Dragons um, and Bruno Mars. They're like huge Bruno Mars fans. And it's so cool because I dance all the time. Like every morning we dance and it's, it's so fun. It's so playful. And it's so like, you forget that we are still allowed to be that way. And it actually, I always kind of was embarrassed of my dance moves for a long time. Like I used to do them and be like, look at me, I'm being so silly until I had kids and was like, oh, this is my audience. Like I get to just do this and dance. And they're like, holy shit, mom, you're a great dance. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And now like my younger one, like he really is able to like let loose. My older one's a little bit more like first child, like a little bit more serious. And I'm always just like, come on, move your arms more, move your arms more, like get as big as possible. And it's been so fun to play. And that's another one. Like my three things are permission to, to play, permission to rest and permission to delight to, to seek the things that delight you and only for like delighting your creative self. And I think when we work on doing those things as much as possible, 
not for like Instagram or for anything else, but just to kind of fill our own cup up. I think, I think it's a really beautiful place to be. I'm going to call you out that you also like to take baths. I don't know why I have that fun fact about you, but I, whenever you admit it, I was like, I've never heard a man admit that he loves a bath. I take a bath every day. I love it. It's, you know, what's funny. I did. My mom was a big bath person and I, and actually later found out that it's a really good thing for like raising your dopamine, which is a, a big problem for ADHD people. So it's, I just, I'm being like, sorry, Sophie, it's doctor's orders, man. I got to <laughs> smoke in here. Um, so I, yeah, I, I take a, I get up usually like a few days, a few days, a few, <laughs> I get up a few hours before my day um, needs to begin and I soak up and I read and I try to get in a good mental state. Um, and I do, and I, and every other day I usually jog. I, I feel like uh, ADHD people are the kind of like, we could be, we teach master classes on self-care because we do what we want. And, and, you know, we, I really think if you're ADHD, it's kind of a thrive or die thing. It's like, we're either leaving our, living our best life or we're a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff is essential to me. I think the, uh, I do think it's the delight you, you bringing up these different things of how to fill up creatively. I think the delight one is a little bit more difficult to me. Um, I don't always do that, uh, but I do. I I have been getting super into video games and that's actually been a pretty good experience for me. Like every time I say that, I have three kids and everyone looks at me like, are you taking care of your children? You're obs- obsessed with video games? No, I only play after their bedtimes. Okay, don't worry. They're fed. Um, but I... Yeah, video games, video games. If you're, if no one's playing video games right now, if you haven't played one in like a decade, go get a video game that's like made now. It will blow your freaking mind. It would. It I, do, I am not in that world whatsoever, but every once in a while I see like a commercial and I'm like, what am I looking at right now? They are crazy. And they're just a creative. Yeah, it's a, that is my, my main source of delight probably right now is just finding a new video game, going deep on it and just, you know, yeah, just like soaking up the delight, soaking up like this is a treasure trove of delight. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on two things. Um, first of all, this season's podcast is all about connection. Yeah. And so I was just wondering when you hear me say the intersectionality of creativity and connection, what is that? What comes up for you? Like what, what, yeah, what comes up for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea of connection, this is a thing that's been on my mind a lot lately because, um, I am a, uh, I'm new to the world of philosophy, but I'm very enthusiastic about it. I like ideas a lot. And, uh, and also, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I feel like we were pretty sheltered from other types of philosophy. And so I feel like it's a bit like a kid in the candy store of like, look at this idea. Like this idea is 2000 years old and it's amazing. It's blowing <laughs> my mind. Um, and uh, it's trippy, man, Aristotle, you were a freaking nut. Um, but, uh, you know, diving into the philosophy podcast and stuff. One of the things that I came across as a guy, uh, Walter Benjamin, who was from the Frankfurt School, Anybody can go listen. Uh, there's an episode on Philosophize This. Um, it's really good if you're into it. It's If you're not phil- philosophical, it can be a bit much. But he, 
you know, this guy, it's not even like this idea he came up with is not even a hundred years old. And, but we, I think we've, uh, he, he, okay. I'll just cut to the damn chase. He came, he, he's kind of the guy, as far as I know, who popularized the idea that the true artist would make creative work, even if they were on a desert Island. And, you know, I think he made some interesting points. I'm not saying it's completely inaccurate, but I do think our culture has kind of uh, embraced that idea wholesale. And I actually think it's very limiting. I think it's a very limited way. And it's not, I don't think it really integrates very well in what we know about neuroscience or the, the human animal. Like we are social beings. And the truth is you think that someone on uh, an island is going to be self-expressing? No. If you put someone in solitary confinement, they lose their sense of self. There's no self to express because we are each other. There is no you without me and you. That's the way that it works. And so this idea that the pure artist would just do their thing for themselves, whether anybody else existed or not, that I'm not saying there are people uh, and there are times where you are expressing something that is, you know, essentially a diary, essentially journalism or, you know, so whatever journaling. Um, but, uh, but ultimately I think the, the, the human urge to create, I think it has a lot to do with connection. I think a, a lot of the reason we, we want to create is we want the feeling of shared experience. We want to get out of the left brain and into the interconnected right brain, you know, the, in that whole brain living, she talks about how, you know, the fourth part of your brain, that's the part of you that doesn't even know that you exist. That's just connected to everything and all in every, every person. And, and I think art is an attempt to kind of tap into that tap into remember like, Hey, but we're all part of, we're all cells in a bigger system. And, um, and I think that, uh, so that's what I think about when I think about connection, I think about, um, you know, creativity, you know, I, another side of all that is I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. And, you know, I think that their practice, these people are magicians. You watch them perform. You're like, how did they do that? I do not understand how they're doing that. Well, I'll tell you how they're doing it. They have one of the most robust creative processes that there, that there is, because not only are they, you know, if you get up in, on stage in front of people, your brain is like super powered because your brain's like, oh crap, you're in front of the tribe. If right. you say the wrong thing, you're in trouble. So we're going to use all resources, go to brain. So if you're creating on stage, coming up with ideas on a stage in front of people, you're actually like Goku from Dragon Ball Z in the hyperbolic time chamber, like ultra gravity. You're like, if anybody doesn't know that reference, it just means you're doing like super, super training if you're thinking on stage, because you're accessing stuff, you have no other way to access. So they have that going for them, but they also have the fact that they know their medium is about connection. Yeah. They know that, yes, do the desert Island thing, go into your hotel room, ask yourself, what do I think's funny? K tap into your own taste, make the jokes that would make you laugh. Do that. I'm for that Walter Benjamin. Okay. I'm getting into that, but I don't, th I think that's the end of the equation. I think the second part of the equation is go get that on stage and be like, did I, was I successful in explaining what was funny to me? And did I get it to the right people? And then if they laughed, then I did. And if they didn't, I got to go back to the drawing board. I think most creativity actually works like that. 
I just don't think we know that it's about connection. Yeah. Um, just an aside, are you going to have Mike Birbiglia on your podcast? Because I feel like you guys would just <laughs> smash an episode. Well, the truth is, um, we, uh, but right, at, dude, you know what? Like right as the um, pandemic, oh man, screw the pandemic for every reason, but especially this is the main reason. Right, because, main, yeah. <laughs> Poor Andy. I'm so sorry. It was a joke. I was <laughs> kidding. Um, no, just something stupid that came uh, out of that was he, we'd actually agreed to meet up on his tour to do an interview. Um, and then right. That's when COVID hit. And then ever since then we haven't been able to make it work, but yeah, I'm a huge Mike Birbiglia fan. I would love to have a conversation with him someday. Yeah. I love, I love how he, I, I love his podcast because it's like Thank inside, you. inside baseball. And that's part of why I like what you do too, is because it's just the behind the scenes inside baseball kind of stuff. Um, I'd love to talk about ideas. I had an awesome conversation with Kyle Sheely about ideas. He even like showed me that he has a huge drawer just filled with notebooks of just like ideas. And I imagine you might be the same way, but like, I am the type of person that I always have ideas coming. And I think that connection in general, like it's connection with others for sure. Like yesterday I had an awesome podcast interview with this girl, Heather from ampersand letter letter lab. And she and I just like, we're just in the zone. And then afterwards I went downstairs because of course, every time I'm doing this, Felix is downstairs watching TV because there's no pre-K program up here in Maine uh, where we're at. So I have to like stop this and then go downstairs and like pour into him. And we have a lot of Legos and I've been having this, um, an A-frame like house, just like floating in my vortex Mm -hmm. and just like, it's just there. I don't know why I have no like memories of one, like nothing. It's just there. And it's been there for like a while now. And yesterday when I got off the conversation with her, I went downstairs and just like built this incredible Lego A-frame. I'll send you a picture of it after this. It it just like poured out of me and I couldn't help but wonder if like the connection between two humans talking about creativity, just like completely like, just like stoking those flames. And then I was just like, went and just like birthed this little A-frame that was incredible. It just, the connection I think is it's endless. The creativity that's comes from connection. I mean, it's like two it's like you're great solo, but two people together makes an even more incredible impact. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think it's interesting as you're saying that, because, uh, you know, you'd mentioned uh, at some point the idea of connection to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I just think it's interesting that whole A-frame idea, you know, floating around in your brain. I think it's also... It's uh, it's also a journey to connect with yourself enough to recognize what kind of ideas you have, because I do think that it's very easy to uh, compare yourself to other people to the degree which you want to have ideas like other people have ideas, but that's kind of limiting because then you only have the amount of ideas that other people have, and then you're running out of those, and you're it's not really what you have to bring to the table. And so I just think it just reminded me and it it inspired me to think about uh, 
what Jerry Seinfeld says uh, back to comedy, you know, find out what kind of woodchuck you are because he's a, jo- he's a joke chuck. He chucks jokes. It's not, it's not even an effort. It's not effort. It's automatic behavior. So much of the journey is figuring out what is going on in my head. If I when from the input that the as life goes in, what comes out, what kind of computer is this basically? Right. So for me, you know, it's funny because I'm not, I'm not, I, I can think in pictures, but I'm not, not incredibly visual, weirdly. Like I, and actually I don't think that's a problem for a long time. I thought it was a problem if I'm an illustrator and I'm not that visual, but I think that, um, you know, cause I would be in school and they'd be like, what, what, what do you like? Draw that. I was like, I like dark matter. That's the kind of thing I'm like, it's invisible. You can't draw it. And so it's just weird. Like, but I figured out how to draw it. Right. And I think that, um, but I do think, Uh, So much of the creative journey, a big part of it is connection to yourself, knowing uh, when, what an idea looks like when it shows up to you. Because for me, I think most of my ideas show up as uh, kind of the best way to say it is like philosophy, some kind of like something that feels like a truth to me. Like that's that's so interesting. I see what you're saying because I've heard you speak about this where that makes so much sense. Like you don't get like a picture of something, you get a thought and then you turn it in and then you translate it into a picture. Yes. And Mm. you know, my wife is very visual and she, she thinks in pictures and she, that's how she, you know, that's how those, that's how ideas come to her. Um, And that's just not the way that they come to me. They come to me in a totally different way. And one of the things that happens is if you don't have a connection to yourself, you're going to hear people getting ideas that are different kind of ideas to you. And you're going to feel less than because you're going to be like, mm-hmm. uh, nothing just comes to me. It's like, no, you just don't recognize what kind of things come to you. That's, that's- Oh, I love that so much. Ideas for me. Um, okay. So for the longest time, back before I t- taught myself like graphic design and lettering yeah. and like gave myself the tools to actually create the things that come through I felt very much like resistant, like frustrated. Like it felt like the ideas were like flying past my head. And I was just like, ah, I couldn't do anything with them. And Mm then uh, now I have these skills and it feels so great because in the same time, I've also released this idea of like having to hold on. I used to hold on to like an idea really tightly Mm -hmm. uh, because I think I was just nervous that like it, it was lack mindset Having more something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Like I have this pervasive lack mindset that kind of came out of my childhood of just like living on a, you know, a budget and just not no risk taking just a very, we, I had a really nice life inside the box and, um, and I'm not giving my parents a hard time about that at all. It was very safe, but putting myself out into the world is, is very challenging for me because it feels really risky. And, um, and so ideas now I've realized that, um, now I have, I've been working really hard on my abundance mindset. Mm -hmm. And I now know that a couple of things I used to think like when ideas would come to me, I would be nervous. I don't know. I just would feel really like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that idea, but now Hmm. I just feel really firmly planted in like ideas would not come to me unless they were made for me. One, right. Like, and two ideas can come. And I love this thought ideas can come 
And sometimes they come and we're at like this, I have this A-frame in my brain and it's like, I don't know why it's there. And I'm spending zero time wondering why it's there or how it's going to happen. Yesterday, it came through as a Lego built, Yeah, but it's in there. Right. And it's not my job to figure out how it presents itself. I just need to keep kind of like delighting in it and enjoying wow. that it's there and like imagining it. And then who knows what it's going to be like when it gets pulled forward. And the, th- the idea of ideas being pulled forward. I love that. Like, like for instance, um, in January, I did this illustration challenge in procreate just to kind of, uh, it was when the idea of my brand kind of came through and I was like, maybe I'll just do a brand color 30 minute illustration challenge every day and see what comes out. And if some cool stuff for my brand comes out, great. If not, I get a little bit better at procreate. Perfect. And, um, I feel like I'm really good at sparking challenges, um, which is part of kind of my bigger vision for this brand. But, um, I, one day I, I made this little like landscape and that was that I've used it a bit here and there on social media for different things, but it stayed like small like that. And then, um, like a few months ago, my husband decided he wanted to build a platform in the back of our, our property. Cause we have like eight wooded acres with more woods on, on the outside of it. And so he built this platform recently, but because wood is so like crazy expensive right now, I know, he ended yeah. up going with, um, shed board, shed floorboards for the top of it. And yeah. like, and when it rots out, it rots out and we'll replace it. Um, but he was bummed out about it. And I was like, well, what do we have to protect it? Right. I was like, oh, can I do a mural on it? And he's like, of course you can. And immediately in that moment, that one illustration just like flew forward. I saw it and I was just like, oh my gosh. And it's just so cool to me that like one idea can like show up as one thing and then be pulled forward into something else and then evolve into something else. And it just like, when I have that abundance mindset that like, I, I don't get to control yeah, that I'd get to just like facilitate it. It yeah. just it feels magical to me. Yeah. I totally relate to that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, most of my client work is really from the menu of my personal work. I re- I pretty rarely am like risking much in a client project. They don't want you to risk anything. Right. That, that's not where, that's not what it's for. You know, what it's for is executing something great. And so, you know, what I do all year round is, you know, I make 45 pieces of episode art a year and I make merch for, and I make stuff for Instagram and I'm, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when that kind of stuff comes around, just like we just did a big client project, super pumped about it. I can't say what it is. It's very important, sure, uh, sure. but, uh, but it's not important. It's just, <laughs> I'm not allowed to say it. Um, but, uh, I just pulled from a pro- from my t-shirt that I just designed. I was like, you know what? That's what it is. It's that thing. And I think that there is something about, I do think there's something weird about, you know, we all think that we're Beyonce and that people are like watching us and are like, what are they going to drop next? You're like, nobody's watching you. No right. one cares what you're doing. And not only the only people that know, the only people that have heard, seen that, the piece that you were, you, you reused on a mural are your super fans who are like, Oh, the connection. I see it. That's it. There's right. no, if there's a person that's like, you know what? I've seen, I've seen enough that, you know, <laughs> fine. They're not, that's, they're not, they don't, you're not for them anymore. That's okay. 
That but is do totally not okay. sit on ideas. Do I always say like the only time it's like in a basketball game, the only time you hold the ball is when you are way up and Beyonce is probably the only one there. She's there. She's like, I can take my time. I can sit on a few ideas. Let's just see what happens. No, you're not Beyonce. Don't sit on ideas. Let them flow through you. Put them out there in the world. Remake them. Try it again. Do you know how many, you know, the guy that made Parasite, uh, which I never saw because it sounds scary to me. Same. Um, uh, but, but that guy, you know, he's like, yeah, we just remade the last movie that no one saw. We just remade it. We made it better too. We made it better. Wes Anderson, you ever notice? Same movie. It's all right. the same. He's got dad problems and he's trying to figure out how to say it. Okay. We hear it and we like it. Keep making them. We're right. loving it. I like how you keep getting better at it in different ways and say, you just take the, you're just turning the gym, that idea. You're just, let's see it at a different angle. What about that angle? Like just, you don't have, you're not, your job is not to, uh, to be everything. It's not to be all things. It's the, it's to be, you know, I think about it. Like, I don't think this is true. I'm not saying this is the truth. It's a picture. I think like the divine light shines through the, bo- the the crystal of your body and it refracts into a particular hue. Your job is to be that hue. This is my side of the divine. This is what I, you know, this is, I'm showing up and channeling. And I, again, all that's just mystical. I'm not saying any of that is that's the way it is. It's a way of thinking about something that I, is, I do think is somewhat true. But your job is let those ideas flow through you. Let them flow through you. Get them out there. However, and you put it in, you know, a lot of times I'll put in a podcast and I'll be like, podcast for me is often like writing on stage. And then sometimes like, oh, you know what? That's actually an idea for a class or that's an idea for this stage thing or this is an idea for invisible things. And I just need to, I need to just tweak it and develop it. But yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I love that um, writing on stage. Whenever you started talking about that, it really resonated with me. And I am really excited to have this space that I'm creating for myself to do that same thing because um, I release two episodes a week. Mondays are conversations and Thursdays, I I call them solo with Coco. And I just it's because part of my brand is I want to bring people along like behind the curtain and I'm really leaning into my creative self in as many ways as I can think of. And like, I think it's, I'm trying to trick myself into not being, being a perfectionist. And the only way I can, you know, you know, when I have this tendency to like hold on to things until they're perfect. And then, but then I get stuck. Oh, you know what I want to talk to you about? I get stuck in the, like the, 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 doing it justice. Is it Sophie, your wife that, that says, that says yeah. like, you need justice. to do your work justice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I resonated with that so much. And I, that's yeah. one thing I'm joining a mastermind uh, next week for six months. And I'm just like, I have to get over this. How, how, how have you worked through that? Yeah. The, 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 you mean the need to do things perfectly? No, I, I guess uh, I switched or, ideas in the middle of it. I, that's a, <laughs> you mean like what she encourages me to do, which is like, take, bring it home is another yeah. way of saying it. Yeah, yeah I want to like yeah. light it on fire when it's done and just like throw it off my desk and onto the next. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, agent, Ryan, uh, the way he says it is, we talk, you know, we talk about this idea all the time, like a lot of creators, what we want to do is we want to make our babies and then kick them out the nest. Yeah, we like, what all right, is that? You, let's see if you fly, let's see it. And I just think, here's the fact, like I feel like uh, with the hero's journey, this is a great way to think about it. There's two major halves to the hero's journey. And it's the same for the creative journey. There's the half of finding the magic, finding the elixir. 
And then there's the half of bringing it to your people. And here's the thing. Most of here's why I think part of it is, is that you go on this huge journey to find this elixir. You find the elixir, you drink the elixir. You're like, this is amazing. I'm feeling invigorated. And you're like, oh man, people are gonna love this. But what you don't realize is all the way home, as you're bringing it back to the people, as you're getting it out there, you need to be realizing, I need to be formulating a sales pitch because guess what? I'm going to get back and there's anti-elixirers. There's people that are like, whoa, no, I don't want that. Who are you? I don't know what's going on. You have to account for the fact that they don't even know that they need this. They don't know what's magic about it. You, so you have this whole other journey of bringing it home. And I think that, you know, I feel like everybody kind of falls off the horse on one side or the other. So some people, they want to skip getting a magic elixir. They just want to go straight to making money, just straight to like, hey, I got, and that's the snake oil artisan is the person who's like, I don't have any magic, but I will take your money. And, that, and I think, you know, I, I feel like at the start of my career, I was more in that camp because I was just kind of following trends. And I, and I think it was a matter of, I didn't even know magic creative magic existed. I didn't even know it was real. Right. Um, and so I, I just wanted to be like, I thought this is what we're all doing. Just BSing. I think that's what we're doing. I think a lot of artists, that's what they do. Um, and I get it. I get why you would do that. I've been there before. Um, and then the other side of it is people that just want to hoard the elixir to themselves. They're like, Oh, I'm just having it. Like, you know what? Honestly, I'm kind of in that category. Now we have, we've written, uh, we've written a few kids books and I feel I honestly feel pretty satisfied having written them because I'm like, you know what? Mainly because the elixir to me is I love story. I love a story loop, which is a, essentially like a punchline. It works the same as a punchline. If a story really works, I think it works like a punchline where it all hits at the right moment. You're like, boom, mm -hmm. very satisfying. I've, I'm learning how to do that. I think I'm getting pretty good at it. I'm getting better at it at least. And I, you know, we've written these two kids books and I'm kind of like, or not, nobody needs to see them. I had a blast. <laughs> oh yeah. They're not out in the world yet. You've no, they're not. Them? These are ones that are just that we've written that I'm like, Oh, I like that. It's so nice. And I feel very satisfied, but I think that um, there's a whole other journey there. There's a whole other journey of like, now you got to make it. Now you got to sell it. Now you got to publish it. Now you got to promote it. Like, and you got to do that so that you can keep doing it. And because, you know, we just released pizza with everything on it. There's some, it's a totally, I think everybody could take a note from musicians because they're, they have these natural seasons and cycles to their creative output that I think are really healthy because you have, you do have the desert Island times, finding your songs, develop, developing the demos, cr crafting the album, getting the album out there, selling the album, touring the album, going back to writing. Now you're, now you're empty and you're ready to fill back up and you, and you just, just go around and around and around. So I think, you know, the other side of it is the bringing home thing, just to answer the actual question is, uh, you know, I think that, um, I think that, you know, a lot of artists don't want to do their work justice, meaning they don't want to sell it. They don't want to market it. Um, but I actually think that uh, the encouragement I have to any artist that has a hard time doing the self-promotion or the, you know, the marketing side of your creative work is just, just think of your favorite piece of art and just, just ask yourself if you're glad that that person sold it. 
If you're glad, are you, you know, I, and I mean your actual favorite, I mean, thing that actually made a difference. Yeah. We all have things where like, I'm very, I'm a connoisseur of, you know, uh, Renoir. I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. Maybe you are, whatever. But you know what, for me, when I was going home from London and I found Mike Perry's first book, who was an illustrator and I had that book on the train, I was like, I don't know why, but life makes more sense right now. Yeah. You just talked about like, this on yeah, one of this. your most recent ones. Yeah. That was a really touching story. I loved I love those, like those moments that change everything. Yeah. Oh, me too. And I, but I think that to me then becomes the motivation to say, bring it home, do it justice. There is a person out there. It might, doesn't have to be tons. There could be a thousand true fans. That idea It could be just a thousand people that you're here on the planet to show them what their soul looks like. There's no other mirror for it. The only way they get to see is what you bring out to the world. And that moment might be, might just be one of those moments where it's like, oh, everything makes sense. Everything changed. Uh, and if you don't, if you just kick it out the nest, you know, we sold this pizza book like crazy. Even right now, I'm like, I'm like, man, we have great ratings on Amazon right now. We have every kid that I know that read it is crazy about it. And I'm like, the only problem is less kid. There's just a bunch of kids that want it that don't know it exists. And so we have to do, we have to keep going. We have to do it justice. Yeah. And, it's, I, and I have to do, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's probably important to tap into the why you made it. Yeah. Why, like if your piece, if if you feel so compelled to make it, that why is so important, then holding on to that why even when, but also I think for me, um, I think when it comes to like my perfectionist tendencies, I, I think I'm not scared of being uh, imperfect or like my work, not being perfect enough. I know intrinsically my work is really good. Like I know that there's a lot, like a, there's a lot of people that like, couldn't do what I, the, the things that I do. Yeah, It's the crickets. I think that I'm scared of. And uh -huh. I just connected this dot, I think yesterday, but it's, it's not the, it's what I'm desiring is connection. Oh yeah. Right. And so I I'm like, it's that like staying in the comfort zone. Like I'm afraid that I'm not going to make the connection. So I'm just going to not do it at all where when I do connect, it's everything. And uh, I think it's just I a muscle too. The way I think about that uh, because I, I, you know, I've experienced that too is, you know, do the Stephen King thing where he, he says that, you know, every book is really a love letter to one person. And, and the idea there is, you know, I th I'm, we're getting ready to work on um, a new project and really for, um, and it's really what it's about is I want to help artists shift their perspective about social media because we all come to social media thinking the goal is to go viral. The goal is to go wide. And I actually think that is the worst possible way to approach social media. And, you, and I think that you can get past the crickets thing if you make it for one person, if you make it for a very specific target market who you know intimately because you have the same taste, you can even literally be like, I'm, you know what? Like my buddy, Kyle Sheely, who wrote the pizza book, you know, I knew he was going to be, uh, we both were speaking at the same conference a few years ago. And I thought, you know, like, what could I do to like, you know, just make this fun for him. And I came up with this idea where I was going to pretend to quit illustration and go full-time gaming. 
and just play Zelda all the time. And I brought a switch on stage and I hooked it up <laughs> to the screen and I was playing it and I, it was an illustration for the talk, but I thought Kyle will get a kick out of this. Cause he likes, you know, silly things like that. And so there's lots of things like that. The only reason I would ever do them is if I'm just trying to connect with one person, right. if you try, you know, I think about like, you know, if you're going to be like a pro, do you know, cornhole, is that something in where, where you, where you live? Maine. Maine. Okay. I don't know if they do cornhole there, but it's, they it's do. Big, okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you're going to try to get great at cornhole, you got three tosses or four tosses of these bean bags. Are you going to throw them all at once? No, you're going to like try to aim right at the hole. And that's, you know, you got to have some precision in your aim. So if you're worried about crickets, quit trying to appeal to everybody. Quit trying to, you know, hit them with quantity even. Try, just try to be like one thing for one place and just repeat that over and over until you get really good at hitting the bullseye. That, that then I don't think you're going to have to worry about crickets because you can just, you can, everyone knows how to make something. Every, every time you give a gift, that's a creative act. And you know how everybody, if they spend enough time and attention, they can give a good gift. Um, and I think that's kind of what creativity is all about. Yeah, I actually had a pretty magical moment considering I'm on the beginning of this podcasting journey. Um, I had a woman reach out to me and just leave me a, a voice message in my DM saying the algorithm served me up your podcast, which was just like, oh my gosh, it's working. The plan is working. And then she was just like, your content is exactly what I need to hear. And I'm just like, this is my one person. Like literally, I know a lot of the people that are listening I know a lot of the people that are listening right yeah. now, you know, yeah. but like she's new to this and she's resonating. And I, and I just, I remember standing in my kitchen, just being like, that's enough for me right now. That's yep. totally enough for me. 100%. When I started the podcast, it was exactly the same story. Yeah. And I keep telling myself that like everybody that I admire, um, you know, you had Kathy Heller on, was it yeah. you went on to, she went on to your well, podcast. We were then, both on each other's podcast. Yeah. And, and, but that's, I think that's how I discovered her. And then I kind of got um, really into her orbit and she's really helped me. Um, that's great. Just, yeah. She's, she's really great. But I mean, I've known her now for like two years and she's doing incredibly well um, yeah. and uh, just giving people permission to shine their light. And I hope to do that too. But she started, you know, a couple of days after she had a, her third child or something like that. And everybody starts from right here. And I'm just so happy. This is the third time I've tried to put a podcast out into the world. It took me two years and uh, I'm just like having you on this is just really reminding me, like, just keep going, just keep going because these conversations are worth it. And I think, I think what you do for me and your audience, where you're putting words around feelings I think that's what I do for creativity as well in my own way. And I think, I think it's absolutely um, worth the effort. So I really appreciate you being here and I'm, I don't want to take any more of your time. This has been such a delight. Well, I really appreciate you having me. Great questions, great topics. Uh, and I clearly was having a good time. So th thanks for and, having oh, me. And guess what? We're celebrating with pizza tonight. My husband's like, yeah, yeah of course we are. <laughs> what, what, what kind of, what kind of pizza are you talking about? You know, we have a couple options. We live in the woods of Maine, but luckily okay. we have like three types of pizzas around here. We have like um, New Haven style, Connecticut. You know this, yeah? I've heard of it, but I don't know if I know it. Oh, it's like brick oven, thin crust, but like puffy end oh, of yeah. the crust. Chewy, kind of chewy. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. That's that's and then we have another place that's like more like thick focaccia, like huge, uh-huh. like you have to know that you're going to go to bed after you eat it. Like yeah, right. don't okay. even bother drinking any alcohol with it because it's a waste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's just like the pizza place down the street. So I'm not sure um, which one, but it's, there's definitely pizza, lots of pizza in my, in my day today, you and real pizza, but thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell Sophie, I said, hi, I tried to get her to come on the podcast before. And she said, no, (laughs) she said, she was just like, I don't think I'm, I'm creative enough. Like that's what she said. And I was like, clearly she's very creative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's not as uh, much of an attention hog as I am. So, you know, (laughs) well, thanks for saying yes. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Okay, guys, was I right? How good did that episode feel? I hope you felt like you were sitting there with me. I hope you were giggling when I was giggling. I mean, he is just incredible, isn't he? Uh, There were so many beautiful moments, and I will be linking in the show notes to the video, The Gap, over on Vimeo that sparked my first major lettering piece. And... um, I'll link the book Whole Brain Living, his project, The Invisible Things, his most recent book with Kyle Sheely, A Pizza with Everything on it. It'll all be in the show notes, you guys. But I hope you give him a follow. He just truly unlocked something for me, and I will forever, forever be grateful for him. So if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. It means so much and it really helps with getting this message out into the world because everybody has a creative self. I hope you believe that. I hope you're starting to really absorb that and and tend to her. And if you're new here, Everybody has a creative self, even you, and I'm so happy that you took the time to delight and nourish yours today. So enjoy, go do something fun, go do something novel, fill your cup, and just know you are welcome here just as you are, you are enough, you are worthy, and I'm so, so grateful for you.